Hello, everybody. This is Talking Sports with Evan. It is Friday, uh, May 6th, a u- unusual time to do Talking Sports with Evan, but I'm here live today, Talks and Packers NFL Draft. Uh, did a live draft show last week. I want to say thank you for all those that took the time to watch and listen uh, to the stream. Uh, appreciate it. Like, love the support. Glad you're able to uh, watch, even if it was just for a few minutes. Also, want to thank Troy and um, uh, Troy for coming on for a little bit. Troy is for those that don't remember him and I uh, ran the Red Light Sports Network for a while with the Red Light Sports Rambo and other shows uh, for a while, and it was great talking sports with him once again. Emily Thomas, who came on. Uh, I wasn't expecting him to be on for the full show, thinking maybe just a segment or two uh, at about 7.30-ish, and then he ended up staying on for the full show. Big thank you to him. Added a lot to the show. It was fun discussing football with him, going through the draft, uh, pick by pick. And again, appreciate all the positive feedback that I had gotten from people um, that enjoyed it. And uh, definitely something I need to do again, and I probably will do again. So, I haven't had a chance to come on and do a a show yet to recap my thoughts on the Packers draft, give my thoughts on what they did and my thoughts about it and the NFL draft as a whole. have not had a chance to really break it down and give my thoughts on that. And I know some of you probably don't care. A lot of you probably don't even care about the draft in general, but I kind of want to give my thoughts on what the Packers did and what the teams in the NFL did overall. as two. So I'm going to talk a lot about uh, that in today's show. Give my, my thoughts on each pick and understand that it's way too soon, way too early to determine if, you know, if, if grades were A's or F's or C's or whatever, way too early to pass fail any of these picks. We don't know yet how most of these picks are going to go. Um, we just know that there's 11 or 10 new Green Bay Packers, and I get to talk about them. So I'm excited for that. I'm going to give my thoughts on the Bucks and Celtics series so far. Tied at one. Game one easily went the Bucks way. Game two easily went Boston's way. So what needs to happen in game three? What's going to happen in game three? I'm going to give my thoughts. And the Milwaukee Brewers, red hot, scored a ton of runs most recently on this homestand. Uh, hit the crap out of the ball against the Cubs, pitched well, uh, except for game three of that series, but they took two out of three. Then they sweep the not very good Cincinnati Reds. Again, the bats come alive and they dominate that series, getting double digit runs two out of the three games. And one of the, oh, sorry, they got double digit runs in all three games, if that's correct. They just dominated the Cincinnati Reds. And I'm kind of going to talk about that and give my thoughts on some comments that I've been seeing on social kind of downgrading what the Brewers have been doing thus far. Um, I'm going to get into that a little bit as well. So if you want to comment, you can uh, watch it, you know, watching on Facebook, watching on Twitter, uh, watching on YouTube, wherever you're watching. If you want to comment, you can comment in the comment section. You can comment on Twitter. If you're watching it live on Twitter, that works too. But the, the first thing I want to get into, though, is the NFL draft. And I'm not a draft grade guy. I like kind of reading what other people think. I take grades with a grain of salt because, like, ultimately you're not going to know. 
you're probably not going to know what this draft class is overall for at least a couple of seasons. Now, think back to 2020. Packers in the first round take quarterback Jordan Love. In the second round, they take A.J. Dillon. In the third round, they take the Josiah DeGara. But later on in that draft, they took a guy by the name of John Runyon Jr., who has been a very solid starting left guard for the Packers for the past couple of years when Elton Jenkins have either been hurt or having to play other positions. So that's a, that was a great pick in that draft. A.J. Dillon, obviously great pick in that draft. Jordan Love, jury's still out. But, hey, Rodgers is back to playing. I'm not saying it's because of that Rodgers is playing at an elite level again, but Rodgers is playing at an elite level with Jordan Love. So for me, at the time of the draft, 2020 draft didn't really seem like that rate of a draft, but hindsight being 2020, I think the draft's done pretty well for Green Bay. Um, the main focus, the main areas I wanted to see the Packers address in this year's draft is the wide receiver position, obviously. Uh, without Devontae Adams, without Marquez Valdez-Catling, with Ekimenea St. Brown leaving, you lost three guys in your wide receiving core that played significant snaps. EQ, obviously, later on in the year. MVS, when healthy, played a lot of snaps. And Devontae Adams was your best receiver, best receiver in football. So you lost a lot in that receiver room, and you had to improve it, and you had to get better. That was one thing I wanted to see coming out of the 2022 NFL Draft. Offensive line, you need some depth. You lost Lucas Patrick. Yeah, Lucas Patrick wasn't the best, but he did the job well. And you could pretty much plug Lucas Patrick in any of the five positions, well, any of the interior positions, either guard or tackle spot. And you knew you weren't, you knew you had somebody in there that was going to bust his ass to try to do his job. But without him and without Billy Turner, you lack some depth in the offensive line. Then you have the question mark on Bakhtiari and by all intents and purposes, it sounds like Bakhtiari will be back in 2022, fully healthy. After a year of which his knee kept uh, getting fluids in it, you expect him to be back in 2022. Elton Jenkins, you don't know when you're getting back. And the other thing you have to worry about is Elton Jenkins is a free agent at the end of 2022, and you don't have him signed to an extension yet. So you also have to think for the future at that position. Plus, maybe he's your right tackle, so you need more interior help. Rice Newman struggled at times uh, in 2022, hence why he didn't play in the playoff game. And Josh Myers was injured most of this year. So you need some depth. You need some talent in that offensive line. The other areas I wanted to see them address was tight end. They didn't address tight end in the draft at all. They feel pretty confident in their tight end room, even with Robert Tanyan uh, missing probably a, a few, probably a few weeks of the season with his ACL injury, but they feel high in Daphne, in Lewis, in uh, Davis, and in uh, Degara. I got to trust the Packers front office and coaching staff with that. I wanted to see them address the defensive line. Because, yes, you have Kenny Clark, one of the top interior defensive linemen in the NFL. They did sign a free agent this year as well, and you drafted Slayton last year. But all due respect to Dean Lowry, he's just a guy. He, he's a guy that is a solid rotational piece. You know he's going to give his all when he's out there, but he's limited, and he is he is your definition of just a guy. So bringing new competition in at defensive line to get better up front was going to be huge with this team. They did that. I wanted to see them address the, the defensive backfield a little bit. 
unfortunately they didn't do that because you know you have alexander a free agent right now at the end of the year playing on his fifth fifth year option savage is going going to be playing on his fifth year option amos is a free agent um so you could you could definitely add some depth to that defensive backfield plus you lost chandler sullivan as well your slot guy but they didn't address it there Um, but overall, I like what the Packers did. I think they addressed a lot of areas. I think they really helped um, shore up their 2022 team. So in the first round, Quay Walker, middle linebacker. And one of the things I like, too, about this draft is Brian Gutenkoost, although he stuck to his high athletic profile when he drafts guys, he went out of the norm, especially for his first two picks, um, Quay Walker, middle linebacker. Packers haven't taken a true middle linebacker since um, Nick Barnett. I know AJ Hawk was a fifth round, uh, fifth pick in the draft, but he was drafted as an outside player who, uh, outside linebacker who later converted to inside. But Nick Barnett was really the last middle linebacker the Packers took in the first round. I believe it was 28th in like 98, 99, somewhere in there. Um, but that, it's been a long time since they took a middle linebacker in the first round. I don't think, and they haven't since that pick, and they didn't before Nick Bar- Barnett, really. Uh, but Quay Walker gives them size and speed. You saw how much the defense transitioned with Devondre Campbell. Now you have a guy who's built similar to Devondre Campbell, who can run sideline to sideline. All the stuff I've read about him and seen about him in college, he's a sure tackler. You're not losing anything with him in space trying to get tackled. And he's big enough and long enough that he can cover guys. How quickly he transitions to the NFL, I don't know. But if he's able to transition quickly and Joe Barry, as we saw in his first year in Green Bay, does a really good job with the linebackers, they have potential to really improve that front seven with Quay Walker, just Quay Walker being added to the mix. And he looks the part. He looks the part of a football player. A lot of times the Packers take athletes and try to mold them into a football player. This guy's already molded into a football player who happens to be a freak athlete. And I like this pick. Um, But that was one uncharacteristic draft pick that... um, That was one uncharacteristic draft pick that Brian Gutenkus normally does. He normally doesn't take an off-ball linebacker or even a middle linebacker at that with the first pick uh, in his draft. Devontae Wyatt, another uncharacteristic pick of Goot for a couple reasons. First of all, they haven't taken a defensive lineman in the first round since Kenny Clark. Before that, it was BJ Raji. Um, before that, it was just Justin Harrow. Either way, they don't take defensive linemen in the first round. They also don't take older prospects. And Wyatt turned 24 in March. So two things the Packers never do, and they did. And Wyatt is a guy who's a big 300-pounder, um, can play edge, uh, not at, but he could play uh, five-tech as a defensive end. He can play in the in the nose. He can line him up next to Kenny Clark in the when they go two down linemen. And he's a guy that has a high motor, and his motor goes at all times. And he's a guy that's going to disrupt the middle of the field. And that's what the Packers need. Outside of Kenny Clark, they don't have anybody that can disrupt the middle. So now you have uh Wyatt and you have Kenny Clark guys that can penetrate and pass rush and get into the backfield you got Slayton who can uh be your run stuffer uh so good move there 
Another uncharacteristic move, the Packers traded up in the second round to get to 34 and take Christian Watson. And I like the Christian the Christian Watson draft. I take I like him. He's big, he's physical, he's fast, he's athletic. I think his drop rate is a little magnified for the fact that his team doesn't throw the ball very often. So he didn't get a lot of the targets that other players got. So if he did have a drop, it magnified it that much more. I think that's something that they can work on. Um, I think that's something that they can they could work with him on and try to help. Um, I don't think it's a lack of effort for his drops. I, watching him on film, watching him catch balls at the combine on his pro day, he seems pretty good at actually catching the ball with his hands, not letting it get into his body, which is a big thing. And he's got big catch radius. And he's a guy that can return kicks. He can return punts. He basically did it all at North Dakota State. And he's willing to block. And that's key for the Matt LaFleur offense. He wants guys that are willing to block. Devontae was a willing blocker and really good at it. Lazard was a willing blocker and really good at it. St. Brown, Cobb, all those, Valdez, Scantling, all of those guys were willing blockers. And that's where Christian Watson is. And he's a guy that's going to get a lot of, if he can quickly get the playbook, and uh, get the nuances of this offense, he's a guy that could, could see a lot of targets pretty quickly because the wide receiver room before this draft pick was Amari Rogers, Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard. And yeah, you had Winfrey and you know whatever as well. But they basically, those are your top four. Watson will probably compete for a top three position fairly quickly. And I think they're also expecting... Your Amari Rodgers, who, yes, he looked lost at times in his rookie year, but it was his rookie year. Wide receivers can be slow transition to the NFL. But with, I think they expect a big boost in Amari Rodgers. Plus you have um, plus you have now Christian Watson, athleticism too, who can be a bit of a gadget guy. Sean Ryan, offensive tackle at UCLA. Um, very good pass blocker. Uh, and he looks like he could be a very good run blocker, too. I've seen people compare him to Josh Sitton, the guy that played tackle in college, going to flip inside the guard in the NFL. He has a big body, 321 pounds. He's got big hands, 11 and one eight size hands. And I know hands took, you know, hands were talked about a lot when it came to Kenny Pickens, the quarterback, only quarterback taken in the first round. But I think he uh, is a guy that has good hands big hands and he's a guy that can overpower power uh, defensive linemen and I think he's can, can probably potentially compete right away for one of the two guard spots uh, and he can also potentially play some right tackle if they need him to and maybe he'll be the he'll get a chance to win the right tackle spot early on in the in, in the season and we'll see what happens um, Romeo Dubs from Nevada um, 6-1-2-0-1 deep threat I he, he needs to get more polished. Um, he needs to, you know, get more adept at running the full route tree. Did a lot of just go deep uh, type of stuff in college, four-year starting experience. And he's got a lot of speed, and he could definitely take you over the top. He's not as big as Valdez Scantling. He's not as big as Christian Watson, but he's a guy that could take the top off the defense. And LaFleur talked about – he wanted guys in his wide receiver room that had speed. So you got Christian Watson has a lot of speed and Dubs has a lot of speed. And 
He had a really good quarterback at Nevada in Carson Strong, and he definitely played, uh, makes a lot of big plays in the passing game, and he could do it as a rookie. Oh, and he can also return punts and kickoffs potentially as well. Another special teams potential, Diamond in the Rough on special teams. Zach Tom, two first name guy uh, from Wake Forest. He's played tackle in uh, left tackle and center in college. He's they don't have a backup center right now, and Myers was hurt most of last year with losing Lucas Patrick. Um, so he's a guy that could potentially compete with uh, Josh Myers for that center spot. I think he's that good, and he's another guy that could potentially play right tackle as well if they need it. And he's a guy that. He's a guy that can start. He's a guy that can play right now on this offensive line. Well, he probably not, but he was a great pass blocker in college, and he could be a pretty good run blocker in the Packer outside zone running scheme. I like that was a great pick. Um, edge rusher is a position I want him to address more. They drafted uh, uh, Kingsley uh, Engelbar. He's not really a fast guy. He's more of a power guy. He, he he has some good depth. Um, he's a guy that has violent hands, good explosiveness. Um, he He's a guy that can definitely contribute. Um, he's probably better than what they have behind uh, Preston and Rashawn Gary right now anyway. He's probably potentially better than what they have currently, which wasn't much. He's going to compete with the other edge guys besides Preston Smith and Gary and try to earn some playing time as a rookie. Will he? I don't know. Hopefully they have better luck with him uh, than he did the other player they drafted with the name name of uh, Kingsley, who just got released by another team. Um, Then they took Tariq Carpenter. He played safety in college, but he transitions to an inside linebacker in the NFL, and he's a guy that can... uh, dominate on special teams. I think this is a special teams pick, 6'3", 230. I think this is a special teams pick, but a guy that could see some action in your nickel and dime packages as well, kind of as a hybrid guy. Um, When you go one linebacker on the field and you add another D-back, he's a guy they could add as uh, more uh, speed and versatility potentially there. Again, though, he's mostly probably a special teams guy. Jonathan Ford, 6'5", 330, uh, massive player, uh, started 30 games at Miami. Uh, he can potentially bring something useful to the run defense. Him and Slayton are going to be big bodies up front. When If they go a four-man front, put Slayton and Ford next to each other with Raji and uh, Walker outside, that's a, that's a pretty big defensive line, and good luck blocking them. You lose a lot in pass, uh, pass rushing with – potentially with uh, Ford out there and Slayton, who hasn't really shown much as a pass rusher yet. But that's two big bodies he put in that middle. I'm sure the middle linebackers would love that, uh, playing behind uh, him and Slayton. Rashid Walker. This is... Walker's a head-scratcher. He started 32 games at left tackle for Penn State. Big body. Uh, he's attack- His body's type is a tackle. Um, he he definitely probably should have been drafted in the second, third, or fourth round. But for some reason, he fell to the seventh pick, a seventh round, and the Packers scooped him up. He, I I like what the Packers could potentially unlock here. Adam Stenovich, the offensive coordinator, and Lucas Butkus, now the 
head offensive line coach, they can really unlock something here. And he's a guy, if you can harness his talent and be get him more consistent and correct his techniques, he could he could legitimately compete for a right tackle job. And I know we don't see rookies compete for starting jobs very often, especially in Green Bay. But he's he could be a diamond in the rough guy you get in the seventh round that ends up completely overplaying his value. Think of Mark Tauscher. You drafted Mark Tauscher in the seventh round, and he ended up being a 10-year starter for you at right tackle. He's in the Packer Hall of Fame. This is the value you could get with this guy if he stays healthy and he works on the technique. And then the the um, final seventh-round pick, Sammy Torre, is basically if he makes the team, is going to be a special team's body. He's going to be a gunner. He's going to be a returner. He's going to be He's not going to probably be a lot of a lot of playing wide receiver right away, if at all. But he's a guy with his body size and his type and his speed is probably going to do a lot on special teams if he can make the roster. He's a he's a fringe roster guy. Um, probably never going to be a, a a lock on the roster. But he's a guy if he puts the effort in, uh, he can. Again, this is a special teams move for. Uh, for Tor, uh, Torre, that, that's why they took him from Nebraska. He's a special teams guy. Um, he can be, a, as I mentioned, returner or a gunner on coverage. Uh, he he can definitely help there. So you look at what the Packers did in the draft. I like what they did. They got guys that can start uh, immediately up front in the first round. Wide receiver that could be a, a superstar uh, if he develops properly in Watson. I like his attitude. His dad's a former Packer, to be honest. I like the offensive line duel they took in round three and four, and Ryan and Tom, potential uh, starters there in a couple years. Uh, Dubs is a guy that can be a a special teams asset and potentially get some big plays for you down the field. Uh, Ford's body in the middle. Um, Walker could could be a starter for you. Maybe not. I don't know. Torre, um, Carpenter. Uh, Kingsley, more special teams guy, and Kingsley's one that could potentially get a lot of reps early on with the uh, as a sec, uh, third or fourth edge guy outside of uh, Smith and Gary. So that's kind of my thoughts on the Packers 2022 NFL draft class. Um, I'm not a big uh, grade guy. I'm not going to give them an A or a C or whatever. Um, a lot of mixed reviews along a lot of people in regards to their grades. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. There's some people in between. But that's the fun with the NFL draft. We're not we're not going to truly know until the pads come on and we see these guys on the field. I do, <laughs> based on some Twitter reactions and Facebook reactions, I, I, I dread being on social media when Christian Watson has his first drop. And I've seen a lot of people, too, in the locally and um, nationally criticized why the Packers did not take a wide receiver in the first round, crying about that. Once again, they failed to take a receiver in the first round for Aaron Rodgers. Christian Watson at 34 is practically a first-round pick. They tried trading back into the first round in order to get Christian Watson. The Vikings wouldn't do it. In the for the first round pick, because one, they wanted their guy at that pick, and two, they didn't want to give the Packers a chance for that fifth fifth year fifth year option with them. 
So that's probably why. But Christian Watson, you don't get a lot of value taking him at 22. You get somewhat better value taking him at 28. 34, great value for him. Yeah, you maybe didn't have to give away both your second round picks for him. But at the end of the day, you have, in order to make, an, in order to get a divisional opponent to trade with you, you have to give them something to make it worth their while. And for the Vikings, they wanted both of the Packers second round picks. I don't, that doesn't bother me. I'm perfectly fine with giving up both their second round picks in order to move up and take Christian Watson. So we'll see how the draft does, how they perform when the pads come on. And just remember, some guys are quicker to transition to the NFL than others. So if some of these guys aren't, aren't blowing it up right away or they just don't seem like a fit, it happens. So don't overreact to any of it. So moving on, the NFL draft as a whole. Um, Jacksonville in the first round, head scratcher. I don't think Walker was the right pick at number one. I think Adrian Hutchinson was the better choice. Instead, he went to Detroit. Um, great pick there by Detroit. Houston took a risk with Stingley Jr. If healthy, Stingley Jr. could be the top corner in this draft, but that's a big if. Uh, Garner to the Jets. I really like what the Jets did. They got Garner. Um, they got Garrett Wilson. And then they got Jermaine Johnson. So they got three picks in the first round. They got three guys that could potentially, well, yeah, they got three guys that could potentially start right away. I like what the Jets did a lot in the first round. The Giants with Thibodeau and Neal improving the depth up front. Another great idea. The Kanye to the Panthers. Panthers didn't reach at a quarterback. Great they, they could have took a quarterback there at six and one that made a lot of people question their draft, and they didn't. They take, took a lineman. Drake London, good pick for Atlanta. Uh, Charles Cross, good pick for Seattle. Mentioned Garrett Wilson already. The Saints trading up for Chris Olave. I think they gave up a lot to get Olave. Um, I don't know if I would have quite gave up that much, but they gave up a lot to get Olave. And then the Detroit Lions followed suit, gave up a lot with the Vikings to get Jamison Williams who's probably not going to play much his first year. Jordan Davis to the Eagles. Eagles need to start planning ahead with Fletcher Cox getting up there in age. I think Kyle Hamilton was a great choice by Baltimore. Kenny Green by the Texans. Eh, you know, whatever. You, you have a lot of problems in Houston. You got to, you have a lot of, a lot of holes and a lot of things you have to fix. And Kenny Green's not a sexy pick. Would I have gone Kenny or Kenyon, Kenyon Green? Probably not, but he's not a sexy pick. But okay, I get it. Johan Dotson at 16 to me was a big head scratcher. I don't think Dotson was a first round pick. I know the Packers apparently were high on him, but I just don't think he was a first round pick. And I think Washington um, gave up a lot of value uh, by taking him there. I. I get they traded back from 11, so maybe that's what they were thinking. They like Dotson better, and they don't want to take him at 11, so they move back. Again, not a good pick in my opinion. Zion Johnson to the Chargers. You needed a right tackle um, that could come in and play, and most of the tackles are gone. Uh, Trevor Penning, who was drafted 19, two spots later. Maybe he could have been that guy at right tackle, but I can't fault them for taking an interior lineman to try to – Help Herbert, not really the position I would have went, but 
I'm not the general manager of the Chargers, nor do I pretend to be, nor do I pretend that I know better than anybody else. Um, Traylon Burks to Tennessee. Uh, so the Eagles traded up. Well, they said the Eagles traded um, with the Titans to get A.J. Brown. And in the pick they got from the Eagles, they took Traylon Burks, who if Traylon Burks transitions to the NFL, you kind of got a cheaper version of A.J. Brown, a big physical receiver that you can uh, force feed the ball to, and he's going to make things happen when the ball gets in his hands. Trevor Penning, 19, like I mentioned, good value there. They have holes on the offensive line. He could probably play right tackle, and they kick rhyme, uh, rhyme check over the left, or maybe he's your left tackle. Kenny Pickett, Steelers need a quarterback. Not sure why you took him. I know he's a more pro-ready guy and the hometown guy, and you can market that, but I just don't really understand Kenny Pickett. Um, I'm not a big Kenny Pickett guy. Chuck McDuffie at 21. Uh, thank you, Chiefs, for trading with Kansas City there. Because New England probably would have took Walker at 22 if uh, I mean at 21 if they didn't trade. So thank you, uh, Chiefs, for trading up. Packers with um, McDuffie helps them on the outside. They need corner help. Good for them. Quay Walker, uh, Packers pick. I already talked about that earlier in the show. Elam with Buffalo. Buffalo is a team that doesn't have a lot of holes. They don't have a lot of issues. They could be better at running back, but there's no running back in the first round worth take worth taking there. They don't need any wide receivers. There's really not a wide receiver there worth taking at 23 anyways. Go with the corner, shore up the defense. You're going in, uh, you have to get by Cincinnati and Kansas City and Denver and, uh, and uh, Los Angeles Chargers, all teams with very dangerous wide receivers. You have to get through those teams to potentially get to the Super Bowl. So good thinking. Tyler Smith from da- uh, from Tulsa goes to Dallas. Dallas always takes makes a pick that shakes, makes you shake your head. They did it with Zach Martin years ago. Martin ended up being a very solid player for Dallas. Tyler Smith, head scratcher. He may end up becoming a solid player. Baltimore, Tyler Lindenbaum, they need linemen. Good choice there. Uh, Delvin Lloyd to Jacksonville. So as much as Jacksonville's first first-round pick made you scratch your head, they jumped back into the first round and took Delvin Lloyd, which is a really good pick for Jacksonville. If you ask me, uh, Devontae Wyatt to Green Bay, I talked about already. The Belichick trying to show he's the smartest man in the room. Trades back up to 29. Well, actually, sorry, he was a 29. Um, I got him in Tampa Bay confused for a minute. But anyway, he drops back to 29. He takes Cole Strange, a guard from Tennessee, Chattanooga. Yes, the Patriots need help at guard. But was Cole Strange really the guy worth taking at 29 in the first round? I don't know. Most places said he still would have been around when the Patriots had their second round pick. So maybe they reached a ton there. But Belichick always wants to act like he's the the smartest man in the room. And typically he proves to be. Uh, Most people didn't think Max Jones was going to be a good choice at quarterback in the draft. They didn't. They didn't, I, I, I was one of them. I didn't think he was going to transition well to the NBA. I, I mean, the NFL. Um, I, I didn't think he was going to transition well to the NFL. And he's obviously currently proving me wrong after his rookie year. But that was only his rookie year. So we'll see if he can continue to um, develop. But Belichick, again, trying to be the smartest man in the room, takes Cole Strange. George Karloffis. 
edge from Purdue goes to Kansas City at 30. Got to be able to rush the passer in this league. Kansas City struggled at it lately. Not a bad choice there. Uh, Daxon Hill to Cincinnati. They they address the offensive line needs quite a bit in the in the uh, off season. Go ahead and draft a backside defender, and you know you got burned by the the, the Rams in the Super Bowl. Uh, try to shore up that back half of the defense a little bit for another another run. And the Vikings taking uh, Lewis Shine Shine out of uh, safety out of Georgia. Um, at 32 good value pick there uh for the vikings i can't complain there again some head scratches there some not you know we'll see how this pans out in the 2022 season and moving forward want to jump to the brewers really quick the brewers currently sitting at 18 and 8 they're currently up two to nothing currently against the atlanta braves and i'm excited about what i'm seeing with the milwaukee brewers Christian Yelich in this past week, as the last seven days, has been playing outstanding baseball, getting base hits, home runs, driving the ball deep, hitting it hard. They're falling for base hits. Yelich, another three-hit game yesterday. Yelich looks like he is starting to come around a little bit. I know the strikeout numbers are still up there, but whatever is wrong with Yelich, it looks like it's starting to come back a little bit. I'm not saying Yelich is back but it looks like he's starting to come around a little bit. And a couple weeks ago, I was ready. I mean, he was the only guy that did not get a base hit in one of their wins, and he looked completely lost. I was ready to write him off because it just doesn't look like he has anything left, but it, he's starting to come around now, and I'm I'm happy to see that. The pitching has been outstanding. Rowdy Telez has been hitting the ball hard. Another RBI double today. Home run yesterday, home run the day before. I think two home runs the day before. Roddy Telez is playing great baseball right now. Colton Wong's heating up. Willie Adamas is really heating up. And the Brewers are playing really well. And I understand it's the Cincinnati Reds and the Chicago Cubs that you're playing, but it still counts as wins. And baseball is a sport that it's all about being hot. And the Brewers are playing hot, playing hot right now. And you get guys hot going into a series against Atlanta and then Tampa Bay, um, you're really going to help yourself. And it's it's great to see the Brewers bats come in alive after the first week or so of the season. It looked like they were completely lost at the play. They're really starting to come around, but the thing you got to remember, I'm not trying to be the smartest man in the room, though. I know one of my, my friends likes to think, I think I am, which I'm not. And if you can figure out what I said there, good for you. Uh, but I'm not the smartest man in the room. I don't pretend to be the smartest man in the room. I have no inside inside information. I am a know-nothing fan that watches the games, and then that's it. There is a, probably 100,000 million people um, that know a ton lot more than me. And I, I like to give my opinion on it. And I'm probably wrong about 100 times out of 100, but I don't care. But anyways... Baseball is a sport that you don't get too highs on the highs, don't get too lows on the lows, and you just enjoy the ride. If you get overly excited after every big play, you're going to be exhausted. If you get pissed off and screaming and yelling and stomping your feet and wanting everybody fired after every rush stretch, bench this guy, he hasn't had a base hit in three appearances, you're going to get really tired. Baseball is a sport you just got to enjoy the ride. 
Brewers right now sit at 18 and 8. If they win today, they're 19 and 8. If they win tomorrow, they're 20 and 8. And they just got to build wins and wins and win series, win series. Ultimately, that's what they got to do. Don't worry about winning, getting sweeps all the time. Just win your series, win your division games. When you play a divisional opponent, win those games. When you play a team like the Braves, that's win those games. And if you do, great. But I'm not going to get overly excited or down if things are going well or not going well. I'm just going to enjoy the ride. And I'm happy right now with what I'm seeing with Milwaukee. And I, I hope it's something that continues to happen as we move forward. Um, yeah, today you have Colton Wong, Andrew McCutcheon, Roddy Telez, all with base hits. Brewers with three hits currently. Second inning just ended with the Braves with none. And, uh, yeah, I the Brewers are playing like a team that is, like I expected them to be, a really good, uh, really good baseball team. And the Braves are already on their second pitcher of the game uh, already after the uh, the starter, Chavez, gave up two runs in the first. So happy with the Brewers. Be happy with the Brewers. Beating the Reds and the beating the Reds and and the Cubs and the Pirates doesn't mean any less uh, than beating the good teams because all the wins in baseball count the same. It'll be nice to see the Brewers win uh, against the competitive teams and potentially beat the defending World Series champions, but the Brewers don't control their schedule. All they can do is play the games that are on their schedule. And the last thing, because I got to get going, I have a, a call I got to take. Is the Milwaukee Bucks. I tweeted out Saturday. I think it was Saturday. Yeah, tweeted out Saturday about 24 hours before the end of game one that at this time tomorrow, either the Bucks or the Celtics were going to win. The game would be over. Let's not overreact to anything that happens. And Bucks dominate the Celtics in game one. Guess what happened? People overreacted and were talking about how Boston was done. Boston was finished. The Bucs were going to win in a sweep. I never said that. I, I think I, I, I think the Bucs are going to win the series. I, I thought they were going to win the series when it started. I think they're still going to win the series. I figured it'd be five or six games. Boston was at least going to get a game or two. But I think the Bucs from top to bottom are the better team, and they got the better player out of both teams. Even without Chris Middleton, the Bucks have the better they have the best player in basketball on their team. But then game two happened, and I saw a lot of people jumping ship saying that the Bucks are done, sick of forking them. No, it's two games into the series. The Bucs did exactly what I wanted them to do. I wanted them to take game one. Because you take game one, you send the message. They they took game one from Boston. Boston responded with a solid game two. I should say a solid first half in game two. Second half, the Bucs played a lot better. Defensively, they were much better. Boston missed a lot more shots in the second half. Offensively is where the Bucs struggled. And tip your hat to Boston. They've done a good job of neutralizing Giannis right now. They're frustrating him. Uh, Giannis kind of took control in the second half of game two, and we'll see if it carries over into game three. But I still think the Bucs are the better team, and I think the Bucs are going to win. You know, it's I, I again the NBA playoffs are another thing is you don't get too high, don't get too low. Just enjoy the games as they have and I'm as they happen. I'm gonna cheer the Bucks on tomorrow. I'm gonna cheer the Bucks on, on Monday. I'm gonna cheer the Bucks on, on Wednesday. I'm gonna cheer them on as long as they're playing basketball, and I'm still gonna be a Bucks fan, even if they are done playing basketball sooner than I want them to be. 
but the Bucks are the better team. Game one didn't prove anything or disprove anything. Game two didn't prove anything or disprove anything. I think the Bucks are the better team, and I think we're going to see a much more focused Giannis in this game, and I think Giannis is going to put up a 40 spot, and the Bucks are going to win this game by at least 10 So in game three tomorrow. That's my thought. So with that, thank you so much for watching, for listening, for whatever you, however you're accessing Talking Sports with Evan here today. I appreciate you, appreciate you all, and I will get back with you all later next week, hopefully talking about at least two, uh, if not three more Bucks victories. And with that, we will talk to you all later. Have a good weekend, everybody.